everybody welcome back to the par bar this is uh vince t along with me is uh dr twisted what's up people and uh with us today we have a special guest i wouldn't say guest you know it's it's family it's you know one of our oh well he's pointing at me and and uh for those that are watching this right now it's through zoom Uh, but we have danny bloss with us thanks again for joining us brother Half a day, brothers. Half a day. Do you guys notice that quality of his mic? I know, man. I know. Jealous over here. I remember talking to a computer speaker, computer mic, and look at that. Well, you know, as as a school teacher, he has to keep up with the times. We're gonna, we're gonna get into all that. But first of all, how you been, Danny? Doing all right? Uh, doing well. I'm privileged, Vince and Mark. You know, I get a paycheck coming in. And I get to do a, a, a profession I love. And I just have to think about, you know, I'm privileged. And I am so blessed to be able to be the living the life I'm living, knowing that other people are struggling. And um, life has changed for so many. Yeah, I think, honestly, that's something that uh, I think a lot of people have lost sight of right now, you know? A lot of the complaining and stuff like that is going on over what's happening. But those of us who are blessed to be able to be working still, be still collecting that check, there's thousands of people out there right now that can't even do that. They're banking on that second stimulus. They're hoping their unemployment doesn't run out. Whatever. So I feel you right there, Danny. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all blessed to have jobs um, and just to keep the income in because... I mean, we all know what happens when that stops. Mm-hmm. We just can't foresee the future after that because because of that factor. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you hit on the on the head with that, Danny. We are blessed and, and privileged. Um, and he sent to. Oh, hey, let's not. <laughs> we might, at this for this one, you and me are not essential. All right. I'm essential. <laughs> no, no. Compared to what uh, Mr. Bloss's occupation is, we are not essential. Well, I think all working people are essential. All people are essential. And just to dehumanize people of being essential or non-essential, I think all human beings deserve to have an income and a life and to be respected in the community. And we're all essential. Especially when I look at your faces and just look at what you're doing for our community. You guys are essential. This work is essential. Doing this podcast is essential. Yes, you are essential. I, I appreciate that, Dan. See that? Um, yeah, that's some good stuff right there. See, see how that? See how we just kind of made everything positive again after all my negativity. Um, <laughs> but uh, for those that don't know, Danny is a local San Diego school teacher. Uh, for which school again? Um, I teach at the San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts, which is in Paradise Hills, which is a community in San Diego, California. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I know many of you heard of that, that us say, you know, Southeast San Diego um, and that, uh, but that is a local uh, middle school, correct? Um, six through 12. Alternative oh, six through 12. type of uh, yeah, typical what, school. What, what subject do you teach, Danny? I'm a history teacher. Oh, nice. And a, a, te- a history teacher of like theater majors, dance majors, uh, folks that uh, music, you know, from like a classical violinist to a jazz guitarist to like an actor, uh, a dancer, you know, it's just, uh, and they come into my classroom space and we get to talk about history. Nice. And that's cool. Like that. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing uh, why I called Danny uh, on the show is, I mean, there's a lot of changes and things that we have to adapt to. Uh, due to the virus and, and, and things like that. So, uh, Danny, if you can, can you can you give us a little insight on how things are changing in the school system? Um, or you know, on Friday, March thirteenth, twenty twenty, life changed, and that was Friday, the last day I saw students, and there was promises that we would be back on April sixth. You know, and so there's this hope. Right. You know, that was planted in us because this is not any way to end a school year right. the way we did. But that was the reality. Then we were rushed into this new thing called Zoom and um, it wasn't cool. 
and it was half the students reported in and for whatever reason you know i'm not judging but there's reasons that and but anyway that's not how you end a school year and we did that on march 13th and that was friday the 13th for school and so i hope that we get to you know do what school's supposed to be and be together and make a community well we we talked about that here on the show too like the impact that it's had especially on the seniors um, the senior activities, the even the grad up to the graduation and walking across that stage, you know, they, they've gotten creative, you know, to, to make it happen. But, you know, for the athletes and anybody who is, uh, you know, looking, being scouted to get their scholarships for college through athletics or any, even academics, you know, all that stuff, I think, was cut short, right? And, uh, yeah, just that, that impact that it's had and the way that the school years are starting off now you know we still don't know how long we're going to be in this thing and there's, there's some predictions to be like after november sure. <laughs> you know but that is sad mark and you know it's like we gotta like give that some respects and some moments you know mm-hmm. class of 2020 this is not what you counted on no right. this is what we had you deserve better and more and I hope that, you know, our schools come back and do something for you, knowing that you were the pioneers of this COVID-19 and the, your great spirits, the way you survived this and continue on and, and persevering. I just hope that our schools do something for those guys. Let them come back, maybe at homecoming when it's safe or something. Just make it special for those guys. That would be so awesome if they did uh, like a small ceremony at, at the next homecoming. I mean that that to me would be would be awesome if they can honor those those students that were supposed to walk and and you know do the whole uh, the cap and gown and you know throw up the caps and just the whole high school ceremony um, ordeal that would be awesome if they can yeah like at halftime yeah just like at you halftime know? just I mean oh obviously God. you can't do the whole thing but uh, it, it's something to remember you know what make I mean? it part of the homecoming parade down on the field you know have yeah. the class come out that'd be cool yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, just this group of people deserve it, you know, and they deserve it. That's I think that's the most important you know, thing. Kids were cheated out of their out of their moment, you know, and um, yeah, it, I mean, I hope they they can do something for them. But uh, with moving forward, um, have you have you talked to any students or seen any kind of reaction towards? like this way of learning or just the virus in general like are, are kids genuinely scared to come back to school or are they are they kind of adapting more to the the virtual learning i don't think anyone's doing adapting to virtual learning um, well not right. in the not in education um school is about being together and building community and I'm trying to learn new skills knowing that um, in more months now versus weeks, months, that we won't be back in the classroom. So I have to learn some community building skills from a virtual environment. And um, that's the key thing, you know, to keep kids engaged versus trying to grade them on like A, B, C, or D, you know, is get them engaged, get them coming back. My point is, is that everything has changed. It's not as good, and but we have to adapt and we have to survive. And it's not about us; it's about those kids that are trying to survive. Oh yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's a uh, that's. I mean, how everybody should look at it. Um, can I can I say just another way, simple, more simpler? The the kids that are privileged, they have nothing to worry. The kids that are are like um, needing meals and don't have their um, that don't own property and don't have an opportunity to live in that type of life, um, there are the ones that I'm talking about. You know that we need to keep them engaged, keep them coming back, and so that's who I want to help in in this temporary environment that we're living in. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um... Let's just, I think for what Danny's, at least from what I'm agreeing with is, you know, uh, privilege 
kids. I don't want to make it sound like I'm knocking them for being privileged or whatnot because, but there are people with uh, less fortunate situations and um, they, they, some of them rely on school for the daily necessities. Correct, Mark? My, yep. my, am I speaking it correctly? Yeah, no. I know we, we, we've talked about it uh, beforehand. And um, I mean, if I can get straight to it, a, a lot of a lot of kids in our public school system, they they rely on school uh, to get meals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as sad as it may seem, and people don't really think about that um, because it's been kind of a second nature, right? To, at this point, um, you kind of just drop your kids and then everything happens. But now this whole system is kind of taken away. So, so now what happens? I mean, the kids still need to eat. They still need their necessities. But mom and dad now have to go to work to maintain. So what happens now? And um, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not too sure. Maybe Danny can speak on that. I don't know if there's programs or, or whatnot that will help these students out. Um, or even outside from, from the city perspective, if there's anything that, that we can do. Or I know a lot of people are just kind of taking it into their own hands. People in the community just helping out the kids in the community. Well, they're, they, I know they're running like the daily uh, food drives at the schools because the money's already been allocated for the school meals. Right. So they've got all this food there, you know, and the money that was, that was spent ahead of time. So they've got to hand this food out. So there's different locations around here, schools where you can drive through and you can pick up the meals from kids. And you know, like, I think it's like once a week, they're actually handing out like boxes of fruits and vegetables and um, other stuff, you know, milks and things like that for the families. So, you know, you see that and like you're saying, Vince, you know, there, there are a lot of families out here, especially in our area, who do depend on their kid being in school to be able to have that meal. And I think with that little bit that they're doing for those families who aren't working and they're having to stay home, um, that little bit of extra does help them out food-wise. You know, and I think that, that helps to take, you know, a little bit of worry off of their plate, right? Yeah, food-wise, financially, uh, for, right. for the parents, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, they might pay into the school, they might qualify for certain programs that feed them for free, uh, which is awesome uh, for those who need. Um, and, you know, that's, and at that point, you can't even, as a student, I wouldn't even think you can concentrate on school at that point. If, if you're, if you're hungry, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we struggle when, when we get hungry and then, but we're way more blessed and privileged to just go in the fridge and eat whatever. Right. You know what I mean? We have options, but some people don't. And, and. Mm-hmm. You, you, they still need to to, to function and and and, pro, and progress and learn just like all the other students. So, I mean, that's that's got to be tough. Man. Well, Vince, when you said that you can't learn when you're hungry, um, I, mean, I think science proves that, and we know that because I've been hungry and trying to do a lot of stuff, you know, but. Yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You know, in order for you to even be learning and to contribute, you know, you have to have these certain basic needs, you know, like home, shelter, food, clothing, um, you know, being able to poop and all that, this, you know, and then comes, you know, safety and then comes, you know, all that stuff, the other cool stuff of learning and loving and all that kind of And so, yeah, but, you know, you talk about that and that's, you know, we talk about there's schools are doing this work, you know, feeding our families, right? Right. Okay. And to me, we got to do that work, but it's sad how we got there. Why do we have this? It's 2020. Why do we have families? And I think it's about this system called capitalism, you know, where you have losers and you and the losers happen to be a certain group of people and but you know when you think of when i think of capitalism I th- i'll give you an example of you know certain corporations maybe it could be a walmart but you know what they're doing is um, going into places and being the only employee in town 
and you have to hire a bunch of people and you don't pay them benefits and when they get sick they have to go to like the emergency room and so the public is paying you know so they're getting cheap labor but the taxpayers are having to pay you know for the medical care at, at the worst possible moment so that's you know rampant capitalism in a way that is not good oh. for the health of our people go ahead mark uh, you guys froze up there for me oh um hey i don't give my money to walmart at all danny that store right there i despise that store i despise what they're about i despise how they treat their employees and you're absolutely right you go into a small town where the unemployment rate's really high you open this big store and you hire these people from the town and you pay them BS money where the only place they can afford to shop is in that store, right? They can't afford medical benefits. They work them overtime and don't pay them. Um, and you know, I'm, a, I'm a union guy. And when I look at a store like Walmart and how they treat those people, um, you know, I know that unions have gone in there and tried to organize them in the past. And what they do is they will fire people if they see them talking to an organizer. And if it gets too big, they'll just shut down shop and they'll move out of that town. And then everybody's unemployed and they'll move to the next town. And then they'll do the same thing there. But they're getting tax breaks in the meantime oh, yeah. to become there. And so the taxpayer yeah. is feeding into their ability to like make a profit on this community. And then because of the tax breaks and because of legal action, they can leave anytime they want to. And they got all this savings. And yep. it is the community that pays. And that's like this capitalism thing, rampant capitalism, where um, profit is the ultimate measure of success. Yeah, and forget the people. As long as they make me my money, I don't care about what happens to them. Speaking on the word success, now that you just kind of popped in into my head, Danny, I mean, um, let's, let's say a student comes up to you. How do you define success? There's more than one definition of success, you know, and I define success as being happy and being happy with whatever choice and having no regrets. And it's a constant battle. It's not a destination. It's a journey of constantly being happy and not having regrets. And so whatever you choose to do. Success begins with the desire to succeed. Mm-hmm. Whatever makes you happy, you know? And yeah, and whatever you desire, I mean, that just, that's totally up to you, right? Whatever, how, that's sure. how everybody kind of defines what success is. I know a lot of people see it as, as, a, as a dollar amount. Um, I necessarily don't see it as a dollar amount. Um, I think as there long as... There are many people who do, right? you know? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, uh, there's no level level of money where if you reach like five hundred thousand dollars you know you, you gain like an extra special power or whatnot you know what i mean it's like it's not like a video game or whatnot. <laughs> it's like the dollar amount will never stop ending and if if you kind of uh put all your interest and, and passion in, into that i mean i don't know if you're ever going to be happy because it just keeps going up and up and up you know what sure. I mean? so i, I, no, I don't good I, I think that as a I, I use myself as an example. You know, you I have my own little spurts of things that I do, and they're accomplishments, right? And if I complete, if I am able to hit, hit that goal, I've succeeded, right? So I'll do something that's a challenge to me, maybe something I've never done before. I've had the idea, I've thought about it, thought about it, thought about it, and then I finally give it a try, and I begin that little journey. And at the end of it, when I see the outcome, and it worked out it's a success you know so I think everybody has those little successes in their life you know every little goal that they set and they meet it doesn't have to be just one thing when you said like financially you know, you know guy, this guy he's very he's a successful attorney okay that's great he became a lawyer but how good of an attorney is he you know anybody go to school and become a lawyer but you can't consider that success unless you become good at that job. Now you're successful. Every case you have, you win, right? You could be a, some booty lawyer and call yourself successful because you made it, but you're not winning any cases. You know, all your clients are dying. <laughs> so, wow, Mark. Okay. okay. Um, uh, 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 I don't know what kind of lawyer you're talking about here, but... Uh, yeah. 
a booty lawyer. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, who's uh, the famous San Diego Bells Bell bondsman? Oh, King Stallman. King Stallman. And how do we know that? I'm not sure. But <laughs> King Stallman should have a law firm. King Stallman should have a law firm. You should. Because <laughs> that would, that would, you know, so someone King ought Stallman, to buy all King Stallman the and likes. Associates, huh? Yeah. yeah. We calling. bail you out and we represent you. So yeah, I don't, right. I don't lose my money. <laughs> we bail you out. You work for us. Yep. What kind of, what kind of <laughs> new age slavery? <laughs> um, Danny, I mean, like, I know, like, when we usually talk to you, it's uh, about things that are involving the Chamorro community. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let, let, let's recap that a little bit. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to you. Uh, what, what's new? I know you're still involved with uh, a couple of organizations, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm Chet Lou, and we do the um, Chamorro Cultural Festival every March and the Sons and Daughters of Guam Club. And so a lot of things have been happening on both fronts, even though um, the pandemic started in March, which canceled our, for Chatlu, it canceled our Tomorrow Cultural Festival. Super bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And, really bummer um, about that. And, um, and then for our Sons and Daughters of Guam Club, it really affected our operations and our ability to support ourselves. And so um, we are in drastic need in the Guam Club for support. And um, and so we had this fantastic property, Mark and Vince, um, in San Diego. And for many years, we have supported the Chamorro community in language and the arts and performing arts. And we have gotten to a COVID-19 and thanks to the benefactors of this club who have provided a savings account that allowed us to survive this very extraordinary moment called the pandemic of one in a hundred years. We still have these expenses. And so we've been dipping to our savings account, but that is a finite resource. And so um, that's where we are. And so it's been a lot of, um, conversations that are not fun, but needed to preserve our culture and um, our way, way of doing things here in San Diego. Well, uh, I mean, we we had we had a, a, a brief kind of backstory um, from both of yours and, and Mark's involvement with, with the organization, um, and it, it is sad at this point because I mean, me as a uh, a kid growing up, you know, Guam Club was something. I guess at this point, you never know what's gonna happen, and uh, I, I guess I would say I take it for granted for for amount of my my life. You know what I mean? Um, but just it, it's it'll be so weird if God forbid something something happens to it. Um, and you know, there's th- that place has created so many memories, so many family memories. Mm. Uh, you know, just just being there and, and learning the culture and uh, having ca- a, a safe place to go to uh, when we need, and 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 just be there and, and enjoy our people. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes me double think of how I can help, um, and you know, we'll discuss all that uh, off air and draw the plan. To, to develop something um but wow um well i mean i thank you both you and mark for being involved in in the organization um mark has been a pleasant addition to our leadership team and um i don't think he's not even been a year in and he's already thrust into this very difficult spot of but he caught on quick and he was able to like provide the essential questions that you know a deciding a group that needs to make a decision needs to ask these questions and so many times we had to pause you know we had this plan and then mark asked this question bro this is a small go and say that shit (laughs) and so yeah um Sometimes no. you have to put it out there, man. You know, you know what? And and Mark, if you decide to do so, you know, uh, I ain't gonna back you up. So go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, thank you guys again for all the work that you're doing. 
Um, once again, for those that are listening to this on Thursday, you are on Island Block Radio, Pulse of the Pacific, where paradise, paradise lives. We've been trying to get that through Zoom for the past three <laughs> weeks now, and it's just not working because of yeah. the noise. But we're, we're trying to get it. Um, <clears throat> How do you get timestamps on this, Vince? You know, um, you know that's uh, that's one thing I've been trying to figure out, um, but. I might have, might have to be a third party, uh, a third party plugin or something. That'd be I'm gonna get it though. I'm gonna get it. I'm yeah. gonna get it one day. And I'm gonna send it to you, and you can use it for all your uh, your, your students and everything. Okay. Like um, <laughs> going going back to the school situation. Um, during 2020, as we all know, the pandemic hit, but also um, uh, a lot of movements have, have developed. Uh, most. Recently, recently that we all know is the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, going back to to you as a teacher, how, how do you how do you even handle this this scenario if, if it comes up in in, in, the, in the classroom setting? Uh, and I'm talking about any debates that might happen. Uh, from or has it or has it come or has up? Has it happened? I'm not sure. I've taught at Lincoln High School and I've taught at SCPA. At those community schools, that conversation is welcomed. Okay. Okay. So um, I've taught at other schools as a substitute and as a permanent person there. Those conversations are not welcomed and race conversations. Okay. In general. And because it makes people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it makes white people uncomfortable. And let's be honest, you know. And that is why um, there's this um, um, concept called white privilege. And I'm not making this up. This is discussed at Harvard, Yale, and social science classes, white privilege. I am not making this up. Oh, no. I think we've, we've heard the term. And, and, we, you know. and in the school setting, white privilege equals your history being part of core curriculum and my history being elective. Okay, so oh, we... Shit. We continue this white supremacy thing, you know, centering whiteness and the power of whiteness and the history of whiteness. And I'm not making this up, you know. Um, this is at universities that better universities than I've ever attended. And um, whiteness is, you know, continuing this power situation, you know, that this modern day movement that happened after George Floyd has ignited into open reckoning. Um, you know, it's happened in so many years in the past, um, you know, this reckoning, but it's always been centering of white privilege and whiteness and keeping power in white circles. That is how the structure of this country has operated. You know, Danny, I think, you know, grow, growing up, you know, in the, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And growing up, um, you know, we saw it. And it was always those questions like you were talking about earlier, you know, asking those questions, right? And I was the one in the history class raising my hand and asking those questions. Well, isn't it true this? Isn't it true that? Because this history lesson you're teaching us doesn't tell us this only telling us this side of the story there's always another side and i would get sent to the office quite a bit you know for asking those questions uh, because either a they didn't know or b you know they felt like i was being a smart ass by asking those questions but they're attempting to talk, talk about race right yeah an attempt to talk about race yeah don't and, 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 let people feel uncomfortable mark right no, that's they, they, that's they what like happened that. And that like is it. so real in our country, race, mm -hmm. to yeah. deny it. And so let's not talk about it in in classes. Yeah, if we ignore it, maybe so it'll just go real. away. Yeah. And we've done yeah. a great job for the past 400 years, haven't we? Oh, yeah. You know, let's just tuck it away and talk about this right here. And, you know, and, and 
you know, it's sad because it's not until you actually get out of school that you really are able to start digging and learning more about the true history of people, right? Learning the truth. Right. Um, for example, I mean, I went up to Toronto a few years ago and went to York, Yorktown. Now, in history over here, we hear about the Battle of York and how it ended in the United States' favor. But then you go over there and you hear the story over there. It's a whole different story. You know, it's a whole different story. The United States actually lost at Yorktown. You know, and then, then I'm sitting there and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Our history books tell us something different. You know, but then that's when you start really understanding how the curriculum is molded for one thing. Only right. Let's make everybody, all of our people in this country, believe that we're this great, great power, great, great nation that mm-hmm. can't be defeated. Well, I'm sorry, but I hate to say it, 9/11 exposed it. You know, 9/11 exposed that weakness. We can be touched. You know, and and uh, you know, and what the situation that's going on right now in our politics, um, everything that's going on in our country right now, out on the streets. You know, like looking at Portland and Seattle, the rest of the world, they're watching and they're just laughing at us. So our our weakness and our everything that we we're talking about is being exposed now. And it's being exposed to not only the world, but the people who live in this country who for so long have had these blinders on. Those blinders are off now and they're seeing the bigger picture. And that conversation about race, it's on the table, whether they like it or not. It's out there and it's on the table. And I got to say, hats off to this generation who had the balls to put it out there like that. You know, because I think, like I said, growing up in the 70s and 80s, you hear it, you know it, but nobody's saying anything. You just kind of go with the flow. And if you speak on it, you know, you get your hands slapped. So you just learn to leave it alone. But now these kids are getting tired of it. They're tired of it. They're growing up. Then they, they don't want to hear it anymore. They want the truth, and they want people out there to know this is bullshit. This is the truth right here. We need to get it out. This is what's been happening to our people. Okay, you guys have been turning a blind eye. So what are we going to do about it now? You know? uh, um, one thing that I would just like to do is a quick Q and A with you, and just make mental notes. You know, and I'm going to ask you the first thing is make a mental list of the greatest playwrights. Okay. Greatest playwright? Yes. Now, make a mental list of the greatest astronomers. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, Vince, go to you. What's the name of playwright or an astronomer? Oh, no, this ain't about me. This is about Mark. <laughs> okay, Mark, go ahead. <laughs> in other words, I, in other words, that's I entitlement. Know. That's entitlement. <laughs> no, this is called host rights, son. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> uh, playwrights? I would have to say uh, Neil. Uh, what's his name? Neil Simon. Okay. How about uh, an astronomer or another playwright? An astronomer. I, honestly, I couldn't even take an educated guess at the name of an astronomer. Yeah. You could have said Galileo or Copernicus. Okay. Yeah. okay. I was thinking Socrates, point. but he was a philosopher. <laughs> and that's fine too, as a philosopher. But here's my point. You come out of um, 12 years of school and the greatest people ever in your life are white people. True. Okay. And so I just asked you this question and this is what you gave to me. And so um, we have a need for our system of education to be a lot more open about discussions of race. So if you were to ask me, do I support the Black Lives Matter movement? 100%. And the reason is because if we can accept that Black Lives Matter, we have finally come to a point that we believe all lives matter. But first of all, we have to accept that Black lives do matter. And I don't think we've done that as a country and we have so much evidence to prove that and we don't need to go into it. And so with my students, and the question becomes about how do you teach this? I feel that in order to be a teacher, you cannot be going into this classroom thinking all lives matter. You have to be BLM to come into a city school 
you have to be 100% because we know what that means. You're down with the community and they're going to learn from you as a teacher. However, when we get to, and students want this, this is what they want. And they're going to get it. It's either now or they're going to grab it out of your clenched hands, you know, trying to hang on to a system that's just not and they're the one to tell you that it's unfair and kids young people youth today they know justice they know what equity is and they value equity over equality they want to give people what they need okay um equality is giving everyone a shoe equity is giving everyone a shoe that fits and so that's what young people are about today, at least the ones that come into my orbit. You know, Danny, and I got to say, you know, someone of my age, I don't know, your age, you know, the old, little bit older generation, to sit now and critique what the young people are trying to do for this country um, and say that they're wrong for doing it the way they're doing would be wrong. Because if you look at what happened during the civil rights movement, you look at what happened during the 60s, there was a lot of stuff that was frowned upon by the older generations that the youngsters were doing, but they did it in order to make a change, right? So, yeah, like I said, so if we were to, if I were to sit and criticize and tell a group of people that are out here protesting something or, you know, walking a demonstration that they're wrong for that, what does that make me right now? It's time for me to take the back seat and let the young generation create their world. And granted, it's the world that I live in and my kids are going to grow up in. But if it's a change that they're trying to get made that creates something even better and they have to do what they're doing now to get there, then so be it. Um, I'm not by any means condoning anarchy or, you know, fuck the police or anything like that. But they have to do what they feel like they have to do to get their point across and get that change. Because they're at that boiling point where trying to do it the peaceful way and trying to do it the right way isn't working or hasn't worked. So now they're going to make their voices heard and they're going to be right in everybody's faces and make sure that they're going to hear what, what we have to say. And with that, you know, I've got to give them the respect of that. Because once again, here you go. You got a group of young people who have the balls to put that out there and say, we're going to talk about this and we're going to keep talking about it until, you know, it becomes the norm. I, I agree. I agree. I agree with you, Mark. When you say people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've said this before on the show. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I've said before. Uh, you just have to do it the right way. Well, what's the right way? Is what I'm saying. Well, you what know? are the wrong ways that we've experienced or we've seen? Well, once again, like I was saying, who are we to say what's the right way and the wrong way now? When the right way has been well, attempted and hasn't met with anything other than a hard pushback and they're starting back at the bottom of the hill. So at that so point, maybe what? Then you do what you have to do, you know, by any means necessary, I guess, right? You do what you have to do to be heard. Yeah, I think right. the Black Lives Matter movement is pretty much peaceful. You know, they're not breaking a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you right. might have these isolated incidents, but, you know, if you want change, you know, that's one way, that's, that is the instant, well, that is our historic way of getting change is by going out into the streets and making it happen, right? Mm-hmm. True. I mean, and not staying at home. No, obviously not. You got to grab it by the horns, right? But then also, I mean, you have people that might not even care about the movement and go and say they're doing things in the name of the movement. Yeah, you always have the antagonizers, right? The agitators. Right. Um, and, and obviously we've seen, you know, uh, 
the rioting, the looting, all this blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure not anybody truly in, in, in the movement is about doing that. But things get missed and screwed when everybody's, uh, you know, chanting one thing and then ransacking the store or people's homes or one of burning down buildings. To me, that's not the right way. No, of course. I don't I'm, think anyone would disagree with that. That is, and really, I'm just saying because I know I know there's been plenty of debates and, and things out there on social media, and I'm like, I mean, that to me, that's not the right way. And and when we're going back to the whole um, privilege uh, topic, I mean, to me, at, at this point, and this is just for me, um, I'm I I don't. Skin, skin color is not a factor to me because obviously I'm brown. Uh, grew up in in a uh, predominantly uh, colored neighborhood, um, but I treat right from right and wrong from wrong, and that's what I dislike. And a lot of people, I know there's a story out here right now, and I think we need to talk about it. Is also uh, the five year old boy that got shot. Um, I, I'm sure you two heard about it by now, um, and I mean that that's just as horrible. To, to me, I mean, I'm uh, hopefully a lot of people from from my eyes. That's just as horrible for for a little boy to get shot, a little white boy to get shot mm-hmm. in front of his siblings by by a black man. And I'm not hearing nearly as much yeah. about it. So. It, 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 it's 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 kind of iffy for me. So it's like it's it's becoming just they're just flip flipping the the seesaw, right? So before it was uh, racist, uh, white against black. Now it's the other way. Like I, we want it to be even, right? Is that my my understanding? That's the goal to be even, right? So to be even, yep. But you know, I think you can you can look at it like this too. And I'm there's a possibility. The reason why you're not hearing about it. Because in the past, it was automatically talked about, and with everything going on now, and that's this is going back to that entitlement, right? It was expected that if something happened to a white kid or a white person or a white girl, that it would automatically the story would be on the news. This is what happened in light of the Black Lives Movement, um, our Black Lives Matter movement, and um, with everything being so public now I think that the whites are just sitting back expecting that it's going to be talked about instead of being the voice for their own and jumping up and going whoa whoa, whoa wait a minute why aren't we talking about this you want to talk about that well let's talk about this let's meet in, in the middle here and have this conversation about why is this happening to our kids and why is this happening to your kids and your people too Right. So why is this happening in general? When the shit exactly. should be happening? Exactly. And and that, that conversation does need to be had, man. But thing is, I think that a lot of stuff also gets hidden from the the general public and through the media because they're afraid of what's gonna happen, what the backlash is gonna be from different groups of people. Because it's no secret that the white supremacist groups in this country have been chomping at the bit for a race vote. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that by any means. And, and and something like this can be the thing that helps set that off. You know, so I think the people that know this are also trying to protect it from happening so they don't make it so public when these things come up. You hear about it on social media, you might be a quick snippet in the news, but then that's it. There's no other discussion. There's no people demonstrating in the street. You know, who's to say? I don't know. And this is obviously something that we're all going to learn at the same time and how it unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I just hope, you know, we all pray for the best result, in which which I think is everybody treat each other with love and that, let that be it. Wish. Um, uh, wish. I, mean, I wish, too. Um, but the reason why I asked Danny this question is that, um, you know, kids now have, have a lot more access to, to the world at the palm of their hand. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so now, um, you said that you said the conversation is welcome, um, and and that's awesome because I think the kids that are will be leaving that school and your classroom are going to be that much more well-rounded. Uh, they have that much more of a perspective on life. 
um, and just have a better understanding of of how to treat people. And that and that's and that's my from my own experience too of growing up in this neighborhood and, and going to these schools. Like a lot of things uh, don't affect me in, in the way I treat people, no matter what color, because of of where I grew up, right? So I mean, testament to you, Danny. I mean, I, I know uh, being a school teacher in this in this uh, in this neighborhood can't it isn't the easiest at all times, but um, it's the best event. I'm just I'm just saying the, the I'm just saying the the grade that you teach. What are you What are you teach right now? I'm seventh and eighth grade. Oh, uh, you getting right into the attitude, man. Let's not fake the funk, man. Uh, here's here's, the, here's teenage the attitude. And we the hormones. Yeah. Come on, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> we um, we've talked so many times about you know on this show about white privilege during this segment and yeah. episode, right? Yeah. And when you create a classroom space, when students are centered and their identity, their full identity, they could be their Filipino self, they could be their white self, they could be their Irish self. You be this, and we celebrate it. Let's not be colorblind. To be colorblind and not see color is denying someone's like existence on this earth that they walk through this, this, everyone walks through the same hallway. I'm gonna tell you a person of color is gonna walk a steeper climb, a more rough hallway than a white person. And that is because when, and I'll tell you about all your teachers, most of them are white. Most of your principals are white. And so that's what you see as normal. And when you see us in leadership positions, you know, people of color, we question you. How did you get here? You don't look right. Damn, why is that? Because it's called whiteness. It is the normalization of white being normal. And other things, if you're not white, you're not normal then. Hey, you know, I had a, I had a teacher, he passed away now, Mr. Scott Open. I'll say his name, Scott Open. I had him as a English teacher when I was in eighth grade. He's a white guy. And I tell you, this guy, when I first met him, first day of school, he uh, he said something to the class that pissed me off and pissed the rest of the students in the class off. And what, what he was saying is that because of where we live, because of the color of our skin, that we were going to be nothing in life. You're going to amount to absolutely nothing in life because that's the way that the world's going to look at you. And you'll never do anything that you'll end up with kids at the age of 15. You know, you'll probably end up in jail or on drugs, you know, on welfare tit. He goes, that's where you guys are headed to. Just so you guys know. And I looked at that and I looked around the room and it pissed me off. But then I thought about what it was that he was doing and I appreciated it. I get it. He was kicking us in the ass and telling us, this is what the world thinks of you. But that doesn't mean that's what you have to be. You know, because of this, you're going to have to work twice as hard. That's just the way that the world is. It sucks. I know it. I wish I could change it and I hate it, but you don't have to be what these people want you to be. Right. I'll give you an example, (laughs) man. Um, and and I'll tell you what I took that man's lesson with me from that point on and I even told him I went up to him and I go I know what you did and he smiles at me he goes what and I go you kicked us in the ass and he goes he grabbed me and he hugged me he goes I'm glad you understood that he goes those aren't my true feelings he goes but that's the way the world views you he goes and the sooner you realize that the sooner you work yourself away and prove who you are in your work as a person because that's the only way that you're going to impress. It's the only way. It's not fair, but it's, not. it's the reality. Yeah. It's about survival. Yep. Yeah. Um, wow. Thanks, Mark. That, that's uh, that's dope, dude. And I mean, I, I totally agree with you about shit being hard. Harder. Um... I don't know, I, I, and I think that's, I think that builds character after a while, though. It does. It builds character. It builds a uh, certain mental toughness. 
um, don't, it totally gives you a different outlook on, on the world around you, the people yeah. around you. Because, I mean, I, I hear a lot of shit at work where people are complaining over nonsense. Yeah. And I'm just like, what are you bitching about? Mm-hmm. Like, you haven't experienced a lot of stuff and you're complaining about, you know, first world problems, as they may say, mm-hmm. you know? And so I uh, that brings it back to being, you know, kind of humbling yourself and, and just, um, you know, I guess appreciating more. Uh, once you do that, I think you have a great outlook on life. Mm. Um, humble yeah I mean being humble I mean mm. you know, I mean, if you really truly do humble yourself I mean man you'll, you'll take yourself out of a lot of equations and you'll see how good your life really is just imagine if we started every day at work with a grounding statement like for example that grounds us into the land like for example I start my day at work on occupied Kumeyaay land. And then you go and do your thing, right? And so you start your day with these, you know, these like statements that, like a statement like that, it just grounds you into a place where it's just like, damn, this land has not always been about me. It's been around other people for thousands of years, you know, and I'm just a momentary occupier of this land right now. Yeah. And I mean, we all know that that idea has been flipped and turned so many ways that, you know, I don't even want to get get into that without Mm. starting a new show, but, uh, (laughs) you know, we, we all know that whole story and for those who don't we 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 can uh we can break that down for you on, a, on maybe on a private chat or whatnot make it a little more uh, uh graphic or x-rays or you know language wise <laughs> um <laughs> man danny thank you again for for joining us today uh we are running out of time, but we're going to keep you around for, for our after hours portion. All right. Um, I need to get a refill, right? That's the moment. Uh, yeah. I get hey, to do you know, that. You said it. We didn't. All right. Um, okay. uh, but yeah, uh, once again, Danny, thank you again for joining us uh, today on the Par Bar. Um, hopefully we can, you know, keep in touch with you, seeing how the the new school year, if you want to call it that, is going. Um, and just kind of seeing your, your students' involvement and, and how they're kind of um, accepting accepting this this way of of, of learning, I guess. Um, we do want to keep in touch with that because uh, I know Mark has, has a young daughter. Uh, Rich himself has uh, a few kids in school, a couple kids in school. Um, and, you know, we just want to uh, progress and, and see until we get back to, to normalcy the classroom setting because that's the goal we don't want to stay like this forever because mm. that should be nuts and for the students and the parents um, but uh, once again you listen to Island Block Radio Post of the Pacific where paradise, paradise lives until lives. next week <laughs> escalators shoot, shoot.